Well, we're gonna try and do this outside. Uh, so who knows what will happen. I've already had a helicopter come through and the cops blasting through. So uh, who knows? So as we get started today, uh, our second Sunday doing Facebook Live and, uh, and trying to get it out there, get the word out there, I just want you to start with something. I know that you huggers are at home right now and you're dying to hug somebody and you can't because the governor said no hugging. And so here's what I want you to do. I, I know it's gonna feel weird, but it's better than nothing. I just want you to, to take one arm and, and wrap it around this way and take the other arm and wrap it around this way and then give yourself a big squeeze and then tell yourself, ah, that's a nice hug. Hey, it's not what you want, but it's something, okay? <laughs> We're all having to make our adjustments. I think though that the more difficult adjustments are gonna be here in a few weeks when they finally lift these quarantines and we all start wearing pants again because we haven't had to wear pants because the camera only, never mind, you know what I'm talking about. All right, so today we're jumping back into this series called Repeat After Me, thinking about some big ideas that God has to say about us and over us. Last Sunday we talked about what God had to say about today and today we're gonna learn about what God has to say about you. One of the problems with having extra time, and you may not have any, I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming that with not being able to go to the movies or run to the store as often as we're used to or making those trips to Salt Lake, I'm just kind of assuming that you've got a little bit more thinking time on your hands. Well, the problem with that is what is playing in that echo chamber of your mind? And so I wanna talk about how to escape that, how to get free of the broken records that are playing in your head. When I worked for McDonald's, one of the first things I learned was that people often use the noise of life to uh, drown out their echo chamber. I remember one night I was working late and everyone was cranking up the music and it was bugging me. I, I have to focus. I'm not smart enough to listen to music and work at the same time. And so I started fussing about it because that's what I do, gripe about things I don't like. I mean, not that you do that, but I do. And in that, I learned as I listened to my employees that they were listening to music because they didn't really want to think about what's going on. They wanted to keep that mindless activity going. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that that's kind of normal, that people just are trying to drown out those echo chambers. So today, we want to come against the broken records that are playing in our heads with the truth of God. We want to win that battle of the voices in our minds. Now below me right now, you can't see it and I can't turn the camera that way because of the way the wind's blowing, long story, but it's Pacific Steel, just over the rise of the cliff. If you look down on Pacific Steel today, you'd see some, some track hose working to get all of that old steel rusted metal cut up and put into carts, train cars, and shipped off. That's what they do. They take rusty junk and recycle it, use it again. You know, that's what happens to us when the echo chamber plays. We get to looking at our junkyard. And what we want to do today is we want to get that stuff packed up and out of here. And we want to think about how that we can um, fill our minds with what God says is true about us rather than what the broken record says. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His glorious, marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature 
and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. God often causes us and calls us to escape our um, junk, to escape our past. He, he wants us to, to come out of something so we'll come into something else. Like the nation of Israel, he wanted them to come out of slavery. But we learn from their journey of 40 years in the wilderness that you could take them out of slavery, but that slave mindset was still in them. They still handled things like slaves who griped and complained rather than like sons who asked and were grateful. And so God calls us out of something, but also into something. It's been said that nature abhors a vacuum. Uh, it's been said by others that if there's ever um, any kind of void, negativity will fill it. And I believe that if there is a blank space in your mind and your thought patterns, anything, that the enemy is going to come and try and fill that with darkness. And so the only way to beat that is to fill that with truth and with light. And so we're going to take 1 Peter, I'm sorry, we're going to take 2 Peter chapter 1 and think about what we can do to overcome this internal thinking. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I want you to remember that Jesus is in you. This is what it means to be a Christian. To be saved is that we are now partakers of the divine nature. We have been enabled to contain the very person of God in Jesus Christ. And so that's where you need to begin. If you're going to beat the echo chamber, you've got to realize who's within you. Remember that Jesus Christ is in you. Now, have you thought about that recently? I mean, because that's exciting. The creator of the universe, the star breather, the galaxy bringer, he lives inside of you and he lives inside of me. The power of God, the beloved of God lives inside of us. The, the, the man that when he was born on earth, as it, when he came to earth as a baby, angels sang and kings and scholars knelt at the crib, at, at the crib of this child. This is the power and the beloved of God. The one that Peter, even in the book we're looking at today, 2 Peter, he remarks again, he's, it's, he probably talked about the rest of his life, about the transfiguration, that moment when he got to see Jesus revealed in all of his glory on that mountaintop. And, and so that power of God, that beloved of God, that creator person, I mean, the one who went to funerals and wrecked him because he would raise the corpse to life, that that being, that person, lives inside of us right now as a believer. Those who've turned from their sins and turned to Christ and declared Him as Lord of their life. Jesus lives in you. God lives in you. That should blow us away. I mean, boom! What is better than that? What is greater than the fact that God inhabits His people? In the Old Testament, God would visit His people. But in the New Testament, Emmanuel, God is with us. God inhabits his people. And that is the, the new covenant. That's the blessing of God. It's amazing. And so I just want to encourage you to, to, to be in wonder of that as you worship today. Remember that you're not here alone. You could never be alone. You cannot get away from God because he inhabits you. He is in the deepest part of you. God is there through his Holy Spirit as a representative of Jesus Christ. It doesn't get any more amazing than that. Nothing is better than that.
You should like freak out right now. You should get excited. You should like if you're in a group of some people, you should turn to them and say, God lives in me. You, you should congratulate each other. Man, God lives in you. Okay, don't touch each other. But man, God lives in you. And that is the escape hatch from the broken record in your head. Because everything that record says, all the lies and the insults over the years and all the failures and whatever garbage the enemy has packed in there, the strongholds that have been built in your mind, the escape hatch is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the escape hatch. That's where we begin. That's the door we walk through. That's how we get out of our Egypt. That's how we get free of our bondage and get released from our oppression. We walk through the door, Christ in me, the hope of glory, Jesus in me. There's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is the answer. You don't have to know the questions, but he's your answer right now. Now, what do we do with it? You know, we need to remember it and we need to celebrate. We need to praise God for it. We need to not act like the children of Israel who got out of their bondage and then immediately started griping about their needs or their circumstances. And that is certainly something we can do right now. We can complain about our situation, but that's not what sons do. That's what slaves do. But what sons and daughters of the king do is they ask their father for things and they thank their father for what he has already provided. And so we need to remember that Christ is in us. Then we need to live responsively to that. We need to respond to the Christ that's in us. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. So, you can read Second Peter, and you can read that list, and it, it can waylay you. It has me. I've gone through that, tried to do that, failed many, many times. And I, what I want to do is I want to take these ideas and encourage you today, not discourage you. And I want to encourage you because the way we're looking at those character traits, those incredibly valuable things, probably isn't right and probably causes us to have guilt and shame rather than courage and love. So where we need to begin with this is we need to remember that one, we're building something in this life. We're growing into something. We're on a journey. Now the Bible uses the building analogy several times. Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians 3 and talks about how that Christ is the foundation and we build on the foundation. Peter in 1 Peter talks about how that we are lively stones being built into a temple that's going to be there to offer sacrifices to God. The point is, is that we're being built into something. Now that's very important because a lot of people get this idea about their Christian life that, I don't know, it's they're like a slug or something. They, they're like, I'm saved, I don't do nothing now. There's a big difference between resting 
and what God has said and trusting and living by faith than it is in doing nothing. Now, you got to be clear that Peter talks about moral excellence or purity. He talks about knowledge and growing in that knowledge and, and all these things that he mentions. God expects those. You should not, we should not think that because we don't have those in our life, that's not a problem. No, if they're not present, there is a problem. But the problem isn't that you're not trying enough with human effort. And that's what we need to address. But to address that, we have to understand that God's building something and that we are co-laboring with God and working with Him to build something in our life, to build something better, to build a new future. Bottom line, we're here to grow. We're here to get better. We're here to get stronger. But in ways that are far more significant than the average person evaluates. Uh, many people think if you have enough money, you've succeeded. Or if you have enough friends, or you have a healthy relationship. And they look at all these temporal visible things as evidence that someone's doing well. But those things may not indicate the truth. They may not be fair indicators at all. We're here to grow and become like Christ. We're here to grow and in excellence, in purity, in faith, in self-control, in endurance, in godliness, or reverence. Uh, we're here to grow in brotherly love and love for others. And as we grow in those character traits, we begin to look like somebody. <laughs> because that's what you have to see as you read those traits. That's Jesus. They, they're remarkably similar to the fruits of the Spirit that Jesus has talked about, or that Paul talked about in Galatians 5. They're, they're very similar to those. And they're simply the character of Jesus who inhabits us as we've been enabled to be divine partakers. We, we become beings inhabited by God. And so all of that that's Jesus in us, God's just talking about, hey, respond to that. That stuff's in you. So respond to it. You have what you need. You have everything you need. You have all the promises. And so your, your job now is to respond to what you already have, not try and get what you don't have. But I, I don't want to miss something that Peter says. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard. <laughs> and that's about all that verse that most people read. Work hard. Because they see their relationship with God as one of hard work and diligence and, and all of these things. So maybe we can correct that. Maybe we can adjust that a little bit. Because in order to grow in these amazing character traits of Jesus, we do have to work hard, but not at developing the character traits that are already in us through Christ. We have to work hard at trusting Christ to develop those in us. We, we should read the Word of God, be challenged by it, and rather than try and accomplish it in human effort, we should try and rest in it. We should try and trust that it's there. So for example, moral purity. I'm sure everyone has either had or still has some kind of struggle with moral purity, either in mind or action. How do you release that in your life? Because Jesus was morally pure. Jesus lives in you. So rather than me trying to be morally pure, what I need to do is I need to look to Jesus. Isn't that what Romans, I mean, Hebrews 12 teaches, look unto Jesus. And isn't that what Romans 12 teaches us to let our minds be transformed? I need to look at Jesus and see he is morally pure and he lives inside of me. So whatever battle I'm fighting now, rather than me going out in the effort of attempting to be morally pure, I need to go out in the hard work of trusting that Christ is morally pure in me. 
and that he can keep my eyes on the right things and keep them from wandering onto the wrong things. And then when my human effort steps in, and it will, because I'm going to get off track, that's what we do. We try in our effort and we fail. But when we rest in what he's accomplished, we succeed. And that's where all these character traits are going to come from. They're going to come from you and me resting and trusting. You say, Michael, how do you know that? Well, because Paul has said it many times, the just shall live by faith. The Word of God, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us that it's, it's by faith that we please God. And so we have to walk forward in that same thing, learning how to trust in our God, knowing, yes, the expectation is there. The power is only present in Christ and not in ourselves. So we're learning. The hard work is learning how to rely upon Christ. And if we can remember that and encourage each other in that, we're going we're gonna to see a whole lot more great character traits develop in our life, a lot more valuable things. We're just going to start acting a lot more like Jesus. And that's what we need right now. We need to act like our Savior, not a bunch of scared slaves running around in a desert. You see, those slaves, they endured some hard times in the nation of Egypt while God was dealing with Pharaoh. And they endured difficult taskmasters while they were waiting on God. And then they were free. And then they got out in the wilderness and they had no idea how to just say, hey, God, we need food. God, we need water. And ask him for it and praise him for what he was going to do. They didn't know how to do that. They only knew how to grumble about what they didn't have. And they also knew how to rally around and, and, and not just gripe themselves, but get lots of gripers. Because you know how it is. Lots of gripers in large groups can do lots of damage. <laughs> and so that was how they operated. That's not how we operate. Because that's all human effort. Every time I, we open our mouths with those kinds of tools, that's just human effort. And so today, we're not here about human effort. We're here responding to what Jesus is doing in us and who He is within us. Because God is up to larger things than, than us just getting by and surviving. He, he's about us having real life. And, and what is real life? Well, Jesus said real life was to know God and the one He sent. And so by that standard, you, you could be having the time of your life, man. You could experience all the wonderful experiences in the world and never truly live if you don't encounter God while you're experiencing those things. And so, so th this is what real life is. So our job, Christians, is to respond to the hope that's within us, to respond to Christ's purity within us, to Christ's godliness within us, to Christ's knowledge of God, the knowledge of God. Isn't that a wonderful idea? Because it means not just knowing who God is or about God, but it means being known by God and knowing God intimately. Oh, what a wonderful concept. And then there's this brotherly affection idea where it's kind of like that band of brothers experience. The first century, we saw these Christians walking into a whole new life together, going through difficult times and suffering together and become deeply, deeply knit together. That's brotherly affection. And then through all of this character development of Jesus being expressed in us, we have a real love for the world, not, not, not just words and not just money, but a real compassion for a world that's broken. And, and now when you come into times like we're experiencing right now, you can see the brokenness more clearly than ever. And that's why we're here. We're here to bring hope to those who don't have any, to those who have no idea how good God is. Day by day, we learn to reflect the glory of the one who lives within us. 
that's that's what we're doing now why why bother why why remember who's in you and get all pumped about that why why respond to the life of christ that's in you what is god up to he just wants a bunch of nice people i, I don't know what your view of eschatology is uh, which is the belief about end times uh, and and i'll be honest with you i'm a pan-millennialist which means i believe it will all pan out somehow that's my official stance but i'll tell you what i like I like end times views where God's people are victorious because I see a a victorious church of God in the New Testament. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know what this is about? This is about a parade. (laughs) It is. This is about a parade. And as I was thinking on the parade idea, I was like, what are we doing here, Lord? Are we building floats? (laughs) I know, that's ridiculous. He also laughed, I believe. (laughs) And and God's like, no, we're building champions, conquerors, overwhelming victors. That's the parade that God is preparing you for. That's what this is about. This is about going home victorious. This is about winning. Yes. This is about you and me who've had an enemy since before we drew our first breath. An enemy who accused us and lied about us and lied to us and tried to kill us every day of our lives. The accuser of the brother, the devil, whatever name you want to call him, he's got many. He's hated us since before there was a day one for us. And God is taking our lives, and every day He's instilling and reflecting more of His very own nature, a nature that that enemy of ours could never have, who tried to steal it, but He could never get it. And so He's been trying to destroy us ever since. And what God is doing is He thumbs His nose at His great enemy who has zero power over Him, as He's raising up an army of sons, victorious sons, and one day we're, we're marching home. We're marching right over His defeated carcass, man. You and me, champions, overcomers, overwhelming the enemy. That's what this is about. It's about victory. And so I, I just want to tell you, here's my honor today. I get to encourage the champions of God's army today. That's what I get to do. I get to tell you, you are victors. You are overcomers. You are gonna stomp your enemy. You're gonna look back on this trial that we're going through right now and you will one day laugh that the enemy tried to destroy us, tried to destroy the people we love because we are gonna overcome him. We are gonna stomp him in the dirt and go home in this victorious parade with great honor and victory. That's what our Papa wants for us. That's what he's looking for and forward to for us. So champions, remember Christ is in you. Champions, victors, respond to Christ in you. And remember, this is about the parade. This is about our Papa showing off to an enemy that had the nerve to try and come against our Father God. You guys have a great day.